0: Alrighty, welcome to the show. We have Anam and Amir.
1: Hi. Hey, how's it going?
0: Hey there. It's the first episode of the year, so start it off right. Yay. <laughs> All right. So let the guys know a little bit about what do you guys do and who you are. Yep. Go
2: ahead. Yeah, so we're um, a husband and wife duo that does real estate investing on our insane nights and weekends. We both work full-time jobs during the day. So we do this. Um, I mean, ultimately we are doing it all the time, but, um, yeah. we still work WT or I work W two. WTD runs a family business. And, um, we started about three and a half, a little bit, almost four years ago, um, bought our first property. And then ever since then we fell in love with real estate investing. We like the fact that it's um essentially passive without really being passive right um somewhat passive passive. um but we we like the idea of putting our money to work versus just sitting in a an account not doing anything for us
0: okay yeah that was the first thing i read about you guys you both still work full time correct oh yeah 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 it it seemed like everybody the new thing is like start investing so you can quit working but Mm -hmm. i guess today they'll learn the benefit of still working while doing real estate
1: yeah
2: yes
1: it's something you need to do because with real estate investing like the money comes in a little bit slow in the beginning but um and and especially that if you if you rely on the real estate to bring in to run your like day-to-day or like your living and your food and your car and all that stuff you're not really going to grow if you if you have your job to fund your your day-to-day and then you have real estate you can grow pretty quickly
0: yes i think that's like um people don't really talk about that but If you're investing in real estate and that cash flow you're making, you don't need it to live. That's what enables you to grow to one day not have to work, I believe. So, all right, let's go back to the beginning. Tell us, like, how did you guys grow up? Where did you grow up at?
1: I was born in California. So I lived in uh, LA for, until like I was like 10 or 11. And then my family kind of like looked around for different places to move to because LA was just so expensive um there's not it was not like a place that we could afford a house or anything because they were also working regular jobs um so they had looked into like atlanta chicago a bunch of places and then we somehow came across dallas and that's where that's when we moved over when i was like roughly around 11.
0: okay
2: and then about i'm to- born and raised in dallas texas so i've been here my entire life uh i i love it i i love that we chose to invest in this market it's just it's home so and we understand it like the back of our hand
0: but as a childhood growing up what would you say like your parents occupation and were you like middle class poor or rich how were you how was you growing up uh pretty
2: pretty
1: pretty low end um i mean like it would be like if if we wanted to do some things we'd walk there it's not like we have like multiple cars or anything we had one car for the whole house and then um we lived in uh we we grew up in a i grew up in a one-bedroom apartment with me, my sister, and my parents, and then we eventually went into a two-bedroom, which was a nice upgrade. Um, and then we, most of our life, we would live in a small apartment. Um, they worked regular jobs. They worked from. My dad would actually be working like sixteen to eighteen-hour days, so he would he would do his first job, and then he would come home, grab something to eat, and then go to a second job. Uh, my mom would work most of the day, and then she would walk home, and then um, we usually take the bus home or something like that, and then. Um, she and then she'd be with us until we go to sleep and then my dad we'd barely see because he'd be at work most of the time
0: did you you think your dad being at work like that influenced you to want to invest in real estate so that you can be around your family more or it's I think, just i think it was two-pronged like it was seen the work
1: like put a lot of work ethic into us that like hey this is not unnormal to be working 15 16 hours a day if you really want i mean like if you really wanted to achieve. Like great success, it's not unnormal to be doing that. So I think that put great work work ethic in us. And then yeah, second of all, yeah, to be around family more. That we wanted to do something that would, you know, like we would be more available to with the, with our family if we, if we chose to do real estate.
0: Okay, and what about you, anna
2: So it, it's you know kind of to his point. So both all all uh, both of our parents migrated to the U.S. Um, in like our my parents moved here in their late teens early 20s and his parents same thing in the 20s so like um that was obviously something that affected the jobs our parents had growing up and then how they transitioned into uh when when we came along so for us or for me uh i grew up it, when i when i was around prior to that my parents worked like my dad was a but like my dad's first job was a busboy boy at a restaurant and my mom was worked at a grocery store but that's because they all migrated here so those were kind of jobs you got um when so my parents and my brother was my older brother were born in Chicago same similar concept they Chicago wasn't where they were going to end up making their full life because it was expensive and cost of livings a little higher than maybe something like Dallas. So when they moved to Dallas, they bought a business. And so growing up in a business-like environment, you had days that were great and then you had days that were not. And so, and our parents or my parents and even his parents worked all the time. So I think that has a lot to do with the work ethic both of us have, which is why we also don't mind putting in um, 12 to 16, 18 hour days, depending on what the day looks like. Um, So I I think um, by no means were either of us at all, we were not handed anything in our lives. We didn't grow up in a high, um, high income family necessarily. We, our parents had businesses at some point in their lives that all went up and down all the time. So at some point you would learn to live without and at some point it worked for you and you were able to maybe Go to dinner with your family and stuff like that so a lot of our early childhood um learnings like that really did instill who we both are now
0: right and that's what i always try to get back to because a lot of things we see as a child we don't realize how it affects us as we get older so definitely seeing your parents have a business go up and down is like you see it can be this good but also it could be stressful i guess on both sides of the coin.
1: i think 2009 was a great learning experience for all of us because at that point, both of our families were in businesses and we took such a major hit that all of us had to go like full-time. We had to let a lot of staff go. Um, and then we just learned how to like live on like very, very, like the necessities basically just, just to get by. And even then we were like not making, we were barely, not only was the business down so much that we weren't even making anything, but we had stuff to get paid. Like we had payroll to make and we had Uh, loans to get paid and things like that so it it was a pretty bad time but I think we both learned so much from that time
0: period okay are you talking about your parents business in 2009 or your real estate business we're talking
1: about our parents' Parents business business. that's where we grew up we both grew up into that too okay and what are your
0: ages now
2: uh I'm I'm I am 28 um yes
0: okay because at first I was like no you were investing in 2009 were you no no, no
2: no, but you know to that point both of us started working very early in age I think I my like first real summer of working was when I was 12 and it was at my mom's deli and every summer kids would be at home uh you know sleeping until 12 eat, having a bowl of cereal watching cartoons and I was up at seven going to the deli with my mom and working the register stocking the shelves I mean a lot of that is really who, we, uh, what makes us who we are today. He was doing the same thing. He was going to the cleaners with his family. I mean, it, you just, you had to do what you had to do. And it, it taught us the value of money at a very early age when you work all summer long and make $200 a month or something, you know, so. She would I mean, actually
1: get paid. I wouldn't even get paid. <laughs> my parents were like, <laughs> you live under my roof. You're not going to get paid.
0: Yeah, that's crazy. I used to get paid, like, my dad had a bar. We get, like, $25 on Saturdays. <laughs> and I hated going to work. Oh my, on a Saturday morning, you know, like I want to go yeah. play basketball or something. We got to go clean up a stinking bar. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's crazy. Okay, so what about school? Were you guys like, all right, if you're this successful, you had to be straight A students, right?
2: So we're complete opposites when it came to school. Yeah. Um, I I was the kid that sat in the front of class, but I, I, I was also probably not the smartest kid in the class. It took, I actually really had to study um, and memorized a lot of stuff in order to do really well in school, but I believed in doing well in school. I also chose to go to path of college. I went to college as well, um, and then he had a different path and kind of a little different take. And-
1: I would be the kid that would go to the back of the class and go sit down over there, put my hoodie up, go to sleep. And then oh, man. Wake up as soon as class was over. Like, school is not my thing. I, I, I dreaded it. Um, like, I would just be counting down the hours until, like, I was out of there and I did college for um, probably about a year or a year and a half or so until I left that. Um, It it was kind of around the 2009 time. Like I was saying, that's when like my parents really, really needed help in the business. So I went full-time into that and kind of left, left from college. Um, And then I went full-time into that until um, about 2017,
0: 2017 is when we got
1: started in real estate. Mm
0: Okay, okay, all right, let's jump into it. Everybody want to know about real estate. So let's tell us, like, did you have a mind shift? Like, what made you guys want to go, like, if, were you working a job and you like, let's go invest in real estate? How was it?
2: Well, it kind of has to do with a little bit of what we just chatted about. I think when, obviously at that point we were in our mid twenties um, and we were like, what do we want to do for ourselves? We, I mean, we have, a, we have the opportunity to take over his family business, but that was not something necessarily we were interested in. It was, we wanted to build something for ourselves Something that maybe um, at some point when children do come into the uh, into the play, it is a little bit more passive. So we're not working 16, 18 hour days like our parents did growing up. So, um, and it was something that we knew we can do from anywhere essentially, if we needed to. Um, if we ever wanna take a, a, a week off, we can do it because while you sleep, you make money in real estate. So like, there was a lot of positives to going the real estate route versus doing another like business we're not techie, so it's not like we can like do a startup of any kind. It was, it was, it was just purely what made sense for us. That was not gonna make us be stuck in a physical location for long hours at a time.
0: Right, and I think that's the benefit. Like real estate, like you said, make sleep. Don't trick people when they say um, you make money while you're sleeping in real estate, because really <laughs> <make, laughs> it sounds sound so good, right? But I, and like the phone be ringing. <laughs> uh, tenant, all right, but um, yeah, the real estate is definitely the most passive way I ever probably made money in my entire life because other than that, you have to be somewhere or doing something. It's just it's hard to explain. But yeah. did you did you I right, I know I had a moment, but did you have a moment in real estate where you realized like this is it? Like we like was it after you bought The first runner or after you collect your first rent check? Like the moment where it hit.
1: I think it was two times. It was after the first time we collected the rent check. That that was when, like, you know, we just you just get the oh, this is a cool thing, like a cool moment, you know. And then after we made it past our fourth rehab, which literally almost killed us, like we were gonna completely stop because it was it was it, it got us to a, it got us to like a pain point because it was so bad, it took so much time, so much money. And almost everything you could think of went wrong in that project. And if if we didn't make it past that, I mean, after we made it past that, we were like, okay, look, we'll succeed in this business. If we can get past this, we're definitely gonna go through it.
0: Right. And I think you have to hit a point. You have to hit a point where you um I ain't gonna say failing, but it's a learning lesson, I guess, that four three had, right? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It was definitely a learning point.
0: Yeah. And I we don't have to dive all the way into it, but what are some of the mistakes you made with that first rehab? Did you underestimate how much work it was?
1: Uh, yeah, definitely. We, we underestimated a
0: lot of things. We underestimated how much work it's
1: going to be. We underestimated how hard it is to deal with contractors. Uh, we underestimated, we didn't even get, a, like one of the main things, we didn't even get a dumpster on that project, but we underestimated how much trash can actually come out of a house during a demo um, so many things. And, and like, it, and it's like real estate is a, an ongoing learning process. Like you're every single day, you're going to be learning something new. It's not like it's going to stop. Like even till this day, we're still learning new things every single day.
0: Right. I don't know if you listened to the um, bigger pocket episode today, but the guy said that he says some people got, um, what you call it, a master degree in real estate investing in which you don't make money with a degree just cause you have it in real estate investing. It's the people that actually buy houses who make the money. You know, so mm-hmm. I found out a lot of people are are steady watching this HGTV, uh, reading, listening to podcasts. But every single, like you said, every day I learn something new about real estate. Every tenant do something. I'm thinking about writing a book called "1,000 Reasons Why I Can't Pay My Rent."
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh God, <laughs> yes!
0: And look, I just started real estate investing. I'm probably halfway through the book, <laughs> but. I mean, every day is a different excuse, you know, you, you never, um, fully learn everything. Yep. True. Okay. So, all right, let's take us, what kind of deals are you guys buying there in, um, Texas?
1: So mainly we look for single family homes. Uh, we're sticking to that right now. It's been working really well for us. Um, our usual is roughly around 13 to 1500 square foot single family brick homes. Um, usually about three or four bedrooms, two baths.
0: That's generally what we look for. Yeah, I'm in Florida right now. And if you have a three bedroom, two bath home right now, you're so, for rent, you're like the most valuable person in the world. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it, no, I was just saying, I have an apartment, um, a duplex. And even at the beginning when you said, you know, you said it was you, I think you said your mom and your brother were living in a, a one bedroom apartment. Yep. And, you know, I'm running out of one bedroom apartment right now and I'm like, listen, no more than one person or two at most. And yep. you know how hard it is on people nowadays because back then the landlord may let three or four people stand on one bedroom apartment because it was different. But would you guys let three, or four people stand on one bedroom apartment if you were the landlord?
1: no definitely not i think we, we would definitely cut it off even right i mean like we've, we've never came across it but like we definitely wouldn't because it would just it would create so much mess in that house you know things would get broken all the time if there's so many people in that small of a house
0: right but back in the day that was normal you see
1: yeah yeah i bet it was i mean like we were living in it so
0: yeah and that's what i, I mean i think like 2020 no 2021 2021 is like Life is getting, um, I don't know about in Texas, but Florida, everybody's moving here. The cost of living is just skyrocketing. but So people are, you know, bonding together, just trying to put their coins together so they can survive, you know?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think Florida, Atlanta, and Texas kind of have like a migration coming from all these other states like California and New York. And so we're seeing a,
0: like a huge rise in population and a huge rise in cost of living. Right. So the fact that you recognize that, cause I'm recognizing the same thing, everybody's yeah. moving here. What are your business changes since you're um, seeing this?
1: One of the main things is just pricing on deals are going up. Um, I, I, the prices that we used to buy at back in 2017, 2018, aren't even there anymore. Like you can't find those kinds of deals anymore. Um, not only that, but like the competition is so much higher now that um, back then we would actually have a minute to take a look at the deal before we actually jump into it now, if you're not, if you're not responding to a good deal within five, 10 minutes, it's, it's
0: gone. Wow. That's, that's tough. I don't, that's, that's tough right there. Yeah. Especially when you bought houses, like you guys did back then. So now it's hard for you to pay that price and, you know, be so aggressive. Like, you know, you have to be fat. You have to be fast. You have to know your numbers and you have to pay more right now. (laughs) Right. Okay. So what I was gonna say, What would you, say somebody trying to buy their first um, rental property, what are some things they can do to be um, in the competitive market in order to get the deal? Like what's some things you guys do to make your offer look better? Because evidently it's, you know, tough right now for anybody.
2: Um, I mean, some things that we do is obviously we go, we, we have the option to go in and cash. So that's like one of the best ways to look really good to uh, anyone. We also buy off market deals. So we buy from wholesalers. We don't buy MLS deals because in this market, MLS deals don't exist. Um, you just, I mean, there, there are, but just not in our criteria or price range um, or, you know, cause we, we utilize the BRRRR strategy, which, you know, allows us to buy homes at like a lower, maybe that 60 to 65% of the ARV value. So then we have the ability to go and make it better and capture equity, Versus buying something at full price, putting a tenant, and like being into the deal at twenty percent. So, cash is something that we do to make ourselves look really good, uh, quick close. Because again, if it's cash, we can quick close. We prefer hard money um, in the recently, just because then it's not like us having to utilize our our cash or our, our, you know any anything we have in yeah. our savings or any source any of that kind of stuff. But. Um, other than that i
1: mean that's probably the main yeah. thing like if somebody's about to jump in they have to get their financing right like the, the money the money has to be either figured out on the like on the either either through hard money or through their personal cash but if that's not figured out you really can't be you shouldn't be looking at deals because somebody's going to come in with either cash or their loan and everything ready and they're going to close a deal in a couple of days and, and they're just going to move you out the way right definitely
2: And other things things to like note, for example, is to kind of make yourself maybe have a a shoe in is, is if you do start, if you start networking with wholesalers in your market, make sure you let them know your exact criteria. So then if they know your exact criteria, sometimes uh, they'll come to you directly and be like, I know this fits your criteria. It does this homework for you. Do you want it? I'm about to blast it in 30 minutes. Does this work for you? So we have a few wholesalers like that that know exactly where we buy and what we buy in in the price range and what condition. Um, and they may text us versus it before it blasts out. Or if they know it's a deal that's not moving that they're about to price cut that they know when it price cuts, it hits our our you know target for purchase price, then they may text us. So like building those relationships with wholesalers, if you go the MLS route and your market allows you to buy homes off the MLS, find investor friendly agents and then let them know again what your criteria is and then they'll hopefully feed you the right deals.
0: Okay. And have you bought any properties like directly from sellers? We've
1: tried, yeah. uh, we tried the postcards and stuff. It's just, I, I don't like we, 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 we realized that, that we shouldn't be focusing on that. Like our, our focus should be simply on getting the deals, getting it renovated, getting it rented out. If we started focus, like that's something we do want to dabble into. It's just that it's just not the right time right now for us. We just want to grow faster.
0: Right. And see, and that's why I always tell people like everybody's born a different or have a different set of cars. Like you have to use what you like. I can't use your strategy. You can't use my strategy because and where I'm at, I tend to, um, how could you say it? Find people uh, know me so I can deal directly with the seller more. You know, it's like, it's kind of like, uh, if I, if I cut yards and I'm just telling everybody, I'm a lawn man, I'm cutting card yards and the word just spread and mm-hmm. then find, so you can reach directly to the seller, you know? Yeah. 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 But everybody got to find their own niche. That's what I'm trying to say. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, so what are some of the things you do? Are right, you got to run a property? You rehabbed it? What's cause this is my hardest part. I just don't like this part um the property management with a tenant what's your process like far as you know you gotta you just fixed this unit up you can put thousands of dollars in it now let's find a tenant like what's the first step after you know the last piece of caulk you put in and you're ready to go um
2: so we do what. what's worked for us is about right about that our sweet spot is two weeks before we know a project is gonna end we list it uh just to start getting the you know inquiries coming in and it, cause you, you'll get a lot if you mark, if you, if you hit the market at the right price, we'll get a lot of inquiries, but there's a lot of people like tire kickers, for example. Right. So like you'll waste your time and then you finally get a really good chunk of really good people worth um, coming to tour the house. So what we do is we listed about two weeks before I, because Zillow now charges, we do not list on Zillow until the house is basically hundred percent ready. If I don't already have a lot of other leads, we um, utilize Buildium, which is our property management software system that we use, and so through Buildium we list it and it syndicates it to like Apartments.com, this new site that I just noticed called Zooper. Um I've never, I'm getting so many leads. We have a we have a current property up um, listed, and I'm getting so many leads off that. So I don't know if it's like the new Zillow. I'm unsure. Um, it's the first time I've heard about it. We do Facebook. Uh, We get a lot of leads from Facebook, but we do get like a lot of tire kickers off Facebook. But um, once you kind of weed through some of that, you'll find some valuable people on all of those platforms. And then again, if we don't get really good, if we don't get a good chunk of um, movement from any of those places, then we'll pay to be listed on Zillow. I think it's $9.99 a week, um, which we've never had to, anytime we've ever had to list it on Zillow, we've never had to list it for more than a week. Um, so that's like a little bit of the benefit, but again, we prefer to not have to pay for it unless we have to. So once you get it listed, we scu- What we do is we actually bulk do um, showings. It kind of um it's our little secret it helps uh what is it called what's that word buzz buzz and then um a little bit of uh oh my god that they have like seven other people about to walk in do yeah. should we fill out the application now i really like this house it helps the house i feel like move a little bit faster when they see like a long list of people that are coming in the house um, it's kind of like an open house showing is what we do we'll schedule it out in like a 2 hour block where it's like especially because of covid right now we won't try to help everyone at the same time but we'll do like like, we'll do 15 minute staggers basically, and that's kind of allows us to usually, whenever we do that open house style showing, it really I don't think I've ever done that and not had applications come in that night or the next day.
1: Yeah, so, it, creates, it creates urgency, right? Because they're seeing that there's so many other people that might be interested in the house, and if they kind of like it, then they'll go ahead and put that application in right away because they don't want to lose it.
2: Yeah,
0: right. So, but I felt like because I did it not like open house today, but I had a couple people come. But do you take an application fee from every single person, even knowing, like, say you have 20 people come, do you take an application fee Oh, you don't do it from everybody?
2: So, well, I mean, everyone who applies, they'll, they'll have to put their card information in. We won't on the back end run their credit card because that's just, we won't, unless we're having to actually evaluate their application, then it is, then we have hard costs. But other than that, if we had like 20 applicants, for example, we'll start with the first one that came in. We'll screen them. If they pass, then we won't collect on the other 19 people's applications. We don't like that. Is to me. I just don't think that's the right thing to do.
0: Right. And, and, um, the reason I'm discussing this because I feel like a lot of investors, when they first get a property, they are so anxious to get it rented out to get that first last security. So you kind of, um, I did, I made the same mistake. I kind of tried to, um, handpicked the right person to move in and it was all bad you know I can't just you can't eyeball and be like oh that's a good tenant oh that's a bad tenant you can't do that
2: oh for sure yes um you (laughs) have to we screen them pretty uh so we recently just posted about it how we kind of screen we look at three main things uh I mean we look for a minimum credit score of 600 we make sure that your combined gross income is 3x the rent um and then we look for no evictions in the last five years that one's a little bit of a gray area because sometimes and that's the only it, it, we really try not to um go in that gray area with evictions but sometimes there's like bad divorces or or something life happens and there's like sure. one particular reason why maybe a judgment was put on someone's name. Other than that, we try to stick very closely to our criteria. Um, There's been times where, you know, we've done the mistake. We were so, we were just ready to get the place rented. So we didn't maybe go down the path of correctly screening them because we were just trying to push the application through um, that now we're regretting it. So.
0: Yeah, no, that's, that, that last whole five minutes, anybody who, you know, you looking to move a tenant or rent a place out, you definitely, that was like 600 credit score, no evictions. What was the third one?
2: And three X, uh, like, uh, oh, yeah.
1: Grows, yeah,
0: it yeah, grows three times the rent, rent amount. Yeah, is that, if you just do them three check marks, you can almost buy my house. <laughs> 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 all right, all right. What's a person like, all, right, all right, I don't want to say a person that, uh, a person that's in your, your life, not either one of you guys, but something, somebody that may, this real estate journey that you guys are on um, happen like they are asset to to your your business like a, a key role player.
2: I mean, I'll I'll say okay, you can't say what she said, boss. <laughs> but <laughs> um, secretly would say each other. But um, I think our contractor our, uh, is probably the biggest player yeah yeah. Yeah.
1: our main contractor for sure because he gets everything going and he keeps everybody in line and and he kind of hits deadlines doesn't really hit deadlines, but he he gets pretty close and so i think he's one of our main guys that that we would give probably most of the credit to to for our success
2: you know because we are busy throughout the day so he's always on the job site and now he's i mean he it's, he's done several of our properties so he can make some decisions or he knows when I'm about to walk in and he's going to know when I don't like something and he's going to know when Amir told him to do something else so he he like knows how we both work so he knows where what he knows he needs to do so I don't come inside and be like what happened um, because he made a decision without me <laughs>
0: <laughs> right right that's that's um, he knows your vision I got a book right here it's all about that vivid vivid vision <laughs> And that's about knowing, like, your contract and knowing your vision, you know? Because a lot of times we expect people to be in our heads and know our vision, you know? And it's not like that. Okay. So, all right. When you're rehabbing your rental properties, what are some things that you do to make it tenant-proof? So, I mean, evidently you got tenant kids. What are some, like, you must have this in your rental property?
1: So one of the main things we recently did was we used to put, well, from the get go, we've never put carpet in any of our bedrooms. Uh, From the get go, we would always use laminate throughout the whole house. Uh, We recently changed that up because we realized that laminate is not very durable when you have like, like if a water heater breaks, or if you have a leak or in the kitchens or whatever, it's not very durable. And you know, like after one or two turnovers, that, that laminate is going to go pretty bad and you have to change it all out. So uh, we changed all of our floorings to vinyl, vinyl plank flooring, vinyl click lock plank flooring, um, which is waterproof, scratch proof, dent proof, fireproof, everything. <laughs> so I mean, like, it, it's it's a good material to use throughout the house. Um, other, I mean, like that's that's like your main thing. Other than that, like your basic door stops, um, garbage disposals, yeah, garbage disposals. Um,
2: what else? We try to make the house all electric, um, even though that's yes. not technically tenant-proof, but trying to avoid gas in any of the homes is it can essentially be uh, tenant-proof because of gas leaks and stuff like that.
1: And it, and it kind of helps the tenant out because they tech, they end up having one bill rather than two bills per like so, so they're only paying the electric, it's not electric, gas and water that they're trying to keep up with. So it kind of helps them out a little bit too.
0: Right. Okay. So, all right, let's say, all right, this is kind of off real estate. But say the universe, you know, is a secret. God, you know, he gave you the secret. This is your um, purpose in life. This is what I want you to achieve before you die. What do you think that's, that, that secret is for both of you? Like each one. Oh, that's a
2: tough one.
0: Um, it's I- like your overall purpose. You know, like sometimes you, you just going through the motion to do something. But, you know, deep down inside, you know, this is what you're supposed to be doing. Um,
2: I know like, one of the things that I, I maybe my purpose in life is to like uh, always be there for our friends and family. So like I'm a bit, I'm huge on being with family and celebrating wins with family and uh, taking care of family if, if they're on to, down on their luck. So like maybe it's taking care of people is what my, uh, my little secret weapon is.
1: Um, I think mine is like, I don't know, I would, I would say to just be like the strong one, like not to like show any emotion or anything like that, even if things are bad or anything like that, like people tend to like, just ask me for help or lean on me or whatever, like when when things go sideways, so I think I'm just there for support or, I don't know.
0: Yeah, no, no, I get it. My brother's like that, Amir. He's like, you could be like the house on fire. He'd be like, oh really? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> the house is on fire
1: <laughs> but like but like people like that they're already like planning ahead of like what they wanted to do like you know if your house was on fire okay cool we need to find a motel to go to we need to get in the car we need to pack whatever we can and let's just go like you know like you gotta start thinking forward that's sure. just how i've always been so like uh, i guess that's what i'm doing no
0: uh, no nah, nah. that's 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 great okay and far as in the real estate business do you handle most of the rehab and you are handling the do you have property management first of all
2: no, so we self-manage. So you kind of nailed it. He kind of does the day-to-day management of the contractors and maintenance requests. Uh, I kind of handle the designing, the front end of like the properties, like the layouts and stuff like that. And then I do the leasing and getting all that stuff ready to go. And then I, I normally the one who communicates with tenants, but when it's a maintenance issue, it pushes off to him because it kind of aligns with managing. Issues. Okay, yeah. got
0: it that's that's about the norm okay okay all right outside of real estate i can blank every day what could you do every single day well oh, i'm sorry you cut off what was that oh my bad i said um outside of real estate if you could this out the sentence would go i can blank every day so fill in the blank like you could do this every day huh.
2: i can cook every day um if i
0: you
2: know failed in real estate i think i
0: could be a chef oh okay
2: I think her family
0: would
2: love our food. Uh, my, <laughs> um, I love cooking, and so if I have a really stressful day at work, um, it usually comes home, and I'm making a crazy spread of food for no reason. Um, but.
1: Outside of real estate, I can definitely eat her food every day. <laughs> <laughs> that's why, hey,
0: look, that's why y'all are married, right? <laughs> oh man, so do you? Would you? Do you think? um, would you, you would you say you like being a, would you rather be a chef or a real estate investor or?
2: No, absolutely not. It's okay. just, it's just a passion. I just yeah. like cooking. I could not ever in my life have to cook for more people than my family and
0: friends. Okay, okay, all right. I'm just trying to make sure we don't need to, uh, you know, get a chef show instead of real estate show.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think people would probably prefer me to stay in real estate, um, but I think everyone enjoys eating my food. Yep, definitely.
0: All right. All right. So, all right. The middle-class, the middle-class see um, housing as real estate as this point of view. And I'm going to tell you this point of view. They see it as you buy a house, you put a fence around the back, put a couple of dogs in there, go to work, come back home. And you live there. That's the middle-class view. And I think that's why the middle-class gets stuck there because it's an asset, but it's not an asset until you sell it, or even if you decide to use the equity. So how can the middle class, you know, go from just using that house as this, you know, just the place you live in, into understanding what real estate can truly bring to people to help increase their family, you know, wealth? Well,
1: just by owning it, you're already on your path because along with, like, I mean, you're getting your appreciation, you're getting the the, the mortgage that you pay every month, you're getting it paid down. Uh, you're getting the tax benefits on it every year because you get to write off the interest and taxes and stuff on it. So I think just by making the very first step about owning the house versus renting an apartment or renting a house, I think that's the very first step to, to increasing their family wealth or generational wealth or however you want to see it. Right. Um, the very next thing to do is like, I mean, let's just say you lived in that house for like five, seven years, tap a home equity line of credit because your, your equity is going to be so high in that house um, that you could probably tap a home equity line of credit which is basically like a credit card against your house that you can use and you can use that money going forward into probably buying a business or buying other real estate or or however you want to see fit that, that can generate you more income
0: yeah and i tell people all the time like you can't just go ask your grandmother um can i get a line of credit on your house without ever doing it before but most older people they got you know good credit scores. So they got credit cards where you can become a, um, secure, not secure, authorized user to help your credit score. So you yeah. got grandparents, 80 years old. She's so not going to use a credit, make you, you become an authorized user on it and all her credit history will help your credit. Also with all, we got aunts and uncles who got all this equity in their house. If you teach, I mean, if you show them, you know what you're doing, um, and maybe they'll let you, you know, get a lot of credit to get started, you know? Yeah. But I, I don't think people um, go that far. You know, that's kind of like the middle class. Like, I just want to live in my house. I don't want to, you know, get into all that. But I feel like that's the gap between, like, leaving middle class and, like, changing your family life, to taking instead of one vacation a year, maybe five vacations a year, you know?
1: Sure.
0: I can see that, yeah. Okay. So um, if you had to mix up, like, you, you know, you're a chef. If you was making success, successful, that's the that's the main dish what ingredients would it be to make people successful in real estate let's say
2: uh-huh. um i mean i, I think he kind of said it in the beginning it is having your finances in line um to be successful in real estate because you have to also you have to have the finance in the beginning to be able to buy the deal but you also once you have the deal and you're renovating it or however whatever your strategy is to also make sure your finances work afterwards and you're not like pop straight pocketing the cash flow you should you know make sure you take out your reserves correctly so like i think if you have your books and your finances correct i think that that's your secret um recipe for success in my opinion
1: writing down goals
2: yeah oh yeah and
1: then hitting those goals Um, a lot of people just keep it in their head and then they actually don't go toward like they don't actually put down steps that they need to get to it like like, if this was the end zone, how am I going to get there? I'm going to get there 10 yards at a time. You know, like, like something like that or uh, just hard work. I mean, don't expect to work eight hours a day and like, and expect to get great results when there's people that are going to outwork you and doing 16 hours a day. You know, they're going to achieve what you're going to achieve in six months rather than a full year. So hard work, writing down goals. Uh, I think those are those are two key ones.
0: Yeah. No, I, that's a common, um, common trait everybody on the podcast say right now I got a new notepad today and this the first page was the notes for this (laughs) but I can't live without a notepad like because ever since I stopped working my brain just have a whole bunch of different things going on so if I write it down it make my life easier so I just read and do it
2: yeah yeah Uh,
0: Yeah. so what is your why are you guys going to stop buying properties after 10 more or five more (laughs) I think
1: we, we, we originally had a goal to get to and we'd be like, oh, we would be done after this. But I think I think we fell in love with it so much that now it's just more of a how big can we go? Like how, how big of a business can we make this? And then like can we start dabbling into other facets of real estate as in can we start getting into like the, the lending side or can we start getting into the insurance side or can we start getting into the brokerage side? Um, or just renovations for others, or you know, like every kind of facet that you can probably get into real estate. We just want to get it as big as possible.
0: Right. Okay. And then also, I think for a lot of um people, you know, people come from California. Like I, I sold a house recently. The people never even came to look at the house. I don't even know where they're from, but it was a turnkey runner. I didn't necessarily, you know, make up these terms and stuff, but basically, you know, I fixed it up, you know, bought it and I didn't put a tenant in there though, but basically all these people, investors coming from New York, they just throwing money at Texas, Florida, Tennessee. So you get these properties and get tenants in there. And it's like, here are the keys, your landlord, you know, yep. it's for a person to invest in I think that's a great idea for people that live in these states where people are coming from other places to move there.
1: Cause it's so cheap for them. Like, we're, like they probably can't even buy a garage for the prices that we buy houses here for, you know? Like it's, it's so dirty for them.
0: Yeah I, yeah, I had one guy, because I'm a realtor also, so he called me, he was like, man, he, um, I'm literally driving from New Mexico, and I got a, a briefcase full of cash, I'm looking to buy a house, and <laughs> he was just driving, I guess, stopping through Florida to look for a place to move to, you know, I'm like, <laughs> so is, I'm yeah, I guess he was like, I'm moving, and Florida is cheap, so, because you can still buy a house for $100,000, you know, I guess you can't yeah. do that in certain places in the world.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. So all right. I was going oh yeah, this is what I want to say before we go. Um the numbers, because people always want to know. Just cause you buy two, three rental properties doesn't mean you're rich. So yep. <laughs> he said definitely not. Mm-hmm. All right. So what type of cash flow are you guys looking for off like say you buy a property for a hundred thousand dollars and they rent out for a thousand dollars a month? Is that a deal? Probably not. Yeah,
1: because if you're just breaking 1%, that might get you just into cash flow territory. Like it'll probably get you after maintenance, CapEx, vacancy. If you have you factor all that stuff in, you might be left with maybe 100 bucks a month on that deal. 100 bucks, 150 bucks a month on that deal. Something like that. Um, you definitely need to be getting at least one. Like, so basically what you just said, 1,000 on a $100,000 deal is 1%. You need to be hitting at least one point two percent roughly to be making some decent cash flow numbers. So that would be a twelve hundred dollars
0: a month on a hundred thousand dollar deal. You see, that's how you know you've been analyzing a lot of deals. He did that like what sixty seconds. <laughs> 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 that's that's the key. Like I literally, I have a board, and I put you know forty thousand dollar houses got to rent for this, sixty thousand dollars house got to rent for this, eight eighty thousand dollar houses have to rent for this. So, I just look at it and match it up. You uh, know, if it's 40000 I need to rent for this whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You're doing it for so long, it's just so easy to do. Right. All right. So, what I was going to say. um, Yes. So, what are, um like, something in your life that you can't live without? Like, so, a lot of people say maybe, like, um, a maid or something like that. What is something that's necessary for your life to be simple? Oh, I know mind.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, oh that's a tough one or my laptop i don't know
0: no nah, that's <laughs> yeah a laptop if you use it every day i guess that's a good one yeah i, <laughs> my, yeah,
2: I mean my laptop or him i don't know
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's a weird one i i, I have a fatuation with bubblegum like I need bubble gum on a daily basis. I go through like at least like four or five packs a day.
0: So, what? Like,
1: oh man. Yeah. I have like a like even like right here, like I have a big old gumball machine that I use in my house and just just watch that thing go down
0: and eat gum all day long. Yeah, that was a first for the new McDonald's. <laughs> Most people be like a maid or like uh what they say, a cell phone or clean, um, a cleaning person to come clean the house. Oh, no.
2: we clean our own house yeah. i mean we cook our own food <laughs> uh, you know we live right we live an average life over here
0: yep. right well one of the things for 2021 i started trying to um do is delegate more so myself i find myself trying to do every part of the business and like we got an airbnb and my wife uh we had some crazy guests recently they like literally the, the, the police was at the property, like I think two times, like the first week. And I'm oh. like, man, this is just too much. But anyway, when we, I went over there, finally after somebody came from the hospital, somebody went to jail, I went over there, I looked at it. It was beer cans everywhere, liquor. I'm like, man, I had two masks on, you know? I'm like, oh man. So my wife was like, I don't want to clean it up. So I seen a sign on the side of the a cleaning service. I oh. called it, they were like, yeah, we charge $25 an hour. They went in there, I put a lockbox on the door. When I got home, it was spotless. I'm like, that was the easiest $25 that I ever spent. You know, cause like we usually, we had to make plans to clean the Airbnb, but they just went in there and cleaned it. I'm like, I gotta start delegating things that, are you know, I can use my time better for better use. Yeah, for
2: sure.
1: I think we went to that learning phase this year too. We started delegating a lot and um, that's the only way to scale. Like we, we we before this year, we were only usually doing like one one project at a time, maybe two sometimes. Uh, but this year, after we started delegating a lot more, um, now we're taking on four or five
0: projects at the same exact time. And you're not flipping any of these properties; you just keep them all as rentals, keeping them all as rentals. Yeah, smart, 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 smart people.
2: <laughs>
0: you have to be patient to do that because you know the money is not like fast money. But in 20 years, you know we'll be looking like we should have kept these properties.
1: Yeah. yeah. Even, even like, even right now, when we look back, even our very first rental, I try to tell this to like everybody, if I had, if we had sold that property, we would have made like, let's just say whatever the number was. I don't know. it was like, let's say if it was like 20,000 bucks, if we made $20,000, we would have made it one time, right back in 2017. Ever since then, that property has probably appreciated almost another 60,000 or so. So in four years, you know, so like yeah. it's like basically like by holding it, it's like I flipped it every year because that, that appreciation kicked in it like from, from 2017 to 2020 kicked in almost 60,000 more. So it's like I flipped it like three times, basically just by
0: holding it. Damn. You looked at it in a very different, unique way, but yeah, you're right. It's just unrealized money. You can't touch it yet, but one day you will. Yep, And I didn't get taxed on it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> that, that's like the second level of real estate class you worried about taxes. You're making money now. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, all right. These are like the uh, final questions for the New American Dream podcast. It's just rapid questions. First thing to come to your mind. All right. If you could spend a day with, like, a mentor, who would it be? Mm-hmm.
1: Probably Grant Cardone.
0: Grant Cardone. Cool I received a text the other day from him. I thought he was calling me after watching my podcast or something. I'm like, it's like, it's Grant Cardone. And it was one he was trying to get me to buy tickets to come to the, I think the 10 uh, X conference environment. Yeah. But it was like, you got to mess from Grant Cardone. Hold on. <laughs> but yeah, no, that's a good one. Yeah. What about you? Anna?
2: Um, I don't, I mean, Mark Cuban, he's a big, uh, he's the one who owns the Dallas Mavs and he's a big, I mean, he made a, He's a billionaire from doing, uh, now,
0: a lot of hard work. Yeah, I listened to um, Mark Cuban yesterday an interview he did on a YouTube channel, and he told what did he say? He told a story about oh yeah, and this is how you know like he didn't he said if he could had to be a billionaire again if he had to start all over he couldn't guarantee that but if he had to say he'd be a millionaire he would guarantee if he had to start over he'd be a millionaire again, and one of the things he said he told the story how he had a raggedy car and he was driving down the road with his friend. And they seen a car on the side of the road, like abandoned this back in the days. So I guess back in the days, people, they didn't want to um, get repo, So they parked the car leave the keys in it with the paperwork. So he seen the car with keys in it with the paperwork. He got the car, called the bank and asked them if he kept paying the payments on that car, could he just keep it? (laughs) And it was like, you got to be kind of smart and think of that. That's kind of like real estate, you know, like, you finna lose your house. I'll take a repayment. So you just leave. And you don't have a foreclosure in your record, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, that was, he was thinking back. That was a long time ago. But I was, I was just like, the mindset to think, like, nothing's impossible. He needed a new car. And, you know, like, he got creative with it.
1: Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. yeah. All right. A mindset book that um, helped change your life.
1: Uh-huh.
2: Um, what is that? Um, I'm reading it right now but it says like girls stop apologizing. It's um it's just a book about owning it and and like knowing your shit or knowing your stuff. <laughs> nah, <you're right. laughs> um and like not uh, apologizing.
0: Okay. I'm to have to get that for my wife. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's a good book
0: Okay. Um well, you
1: I, not, I'm not a big reader. So. I knew
0: you gonna say that.
1: Well, no, was, what about audio book? <laughs> um, I was just listening to one. I was actually just listening to a Fifty Cent one. It was um, hustle harder or something like that. And it was just I was just like I, I'm like about four hours in right now. No, I seen that on YouTube channel. It's, it's a new I book, think, I actually, guess. Yeah, because I'm I'm in the car all the time driving to to job sites, and I'm like, this is all like this is when I listen to it, and so I'm like yeah, I'm about four hours into it. It's been pretty good so far. I don't know what it was. It was called. It was, it's was Hustle Hard. And something, something,
0: I don't know what it was. No, I, I seen that. I didn't listen to it, but uh, now I might have to check it out. I was it, like... It's eight yeah. hours long, so. <laughs> that's, that, <laughs> yeah, that's why I didn't click on that thing. <laughs> but it, my former, like, I quit. I stopped working a year ago. I was a mailman. So that's all. Like, if I was at my old job, I would have been a listening to that book already. Yeah. <laughs> but that's how I learned about real estate. I used to drive around the mail truck delivering mail. And, like, for five years, I was just listening to real estate, Grant Carter on Gary Vee just everybody. And then all of a sudden I just got like, I couldn't take it no more. And I just had to get out of the truck. Yeah, doing. That's all I do all day.
1: While I'm driving around, I keep my AirPods in and just um, just listen to these audio or, or just like listen to interviews and stuff all day.
0: Yeah. I think people take it for granted, but um, you know, you listen, I, like, cause me, I was working like 56 hours a week. So the people I was listening to became my um, associates, my friends. So like Brandon Turner, like, you know, he's smart. Um, Gary V, Grant Cardone. So I was literally think competing with them, you know, how they live. And it, it actually helped because when you come back to reality, it's like, you know, people like just go to work and go home and eat and just do nothing. And I'm like, no, when I get off, I got to go figure out how to, you know, get more. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah for sure. Oh. Okay. So after buying all the properties you purchased, what is something you maybe you wish you could have did it different. I know you don't want to change how you did it, but maybe you would, instead of buying this, you would do this. I think we would have, um, we would have probably used our,
1: our contractors more in the beginning, because we would leave a lot of the work for us to do after they were gone. And so I think, and that took so much time because like we would be sitting there putting up like, I don't know, like towel holders or like the toilet paper holders or um, just like cabinet knobs or something, just like random little things that we would just leave over for us. Um, Yeah, but I think we would just use their time more because they would probably knock that out in like a day, which took us like weeks to get done before we could list the property.
0: Okay, that's what I'm going through right now. I wanna, I know you and spent a lot of money on rehab. So how do you, as far as paying your contractor and negotiating, what do you, what did you find worked best?
2: um so we one of the things that we do when we work with our contractors is we get a labor only price and that's something that has worked for us uh just so they are only managing the labor cost or the day laborers and they're not responsible for keeping up with the materials Because sometimes materials start adding up and then they may cut corners when the materials are going into the house but ultimately you want to make sure the best of everything's going in the house so um and then after doing a few projects, you kind of have a general idea of maybe what things should cost um, because you've been watching them. So if you're really active in your first few homes, you at least get a general idea of how, how long maybe something takes them to do, like how long it takes to do flooring or plumbing or electrical. Then, then whenever they come back to you with pricing, you're, you have a little bit more background to where the numbers are coming from. And then you'd be like, okay, no, this should actually, you, can you come down to this price? Uh, you're never going to come out and say I know this takes you two days to do but like you at least have a general idea of why someone shouldn't be charging you x amount because you've seen the amount of work that has to go into it
0: yeah and that that's the stage I'm in right now I'm kind of like around the project so I know like to put the borders around the floor I know what it takes or you know if you have an idea now you can't like just rip me off on price because I know what it takes I might not can't do it as good but I know it shouldn't take, you know, three or four days to do that. Yeah. Yeah. So everybody, you should, if at the beginning, try to be, if you can, be on site so you can at least know what it takes to do drywall or whatnot. Then you yeah. have a better idea of pricing. Okay. What is your forever state? If you can live in any place in the world, what would you want to live at forever?
1: Uh, I think before I would have said California, but I'm very much Texas now. Texas and you were there? Oh man. No, I was I, would, I, would I, don't stay think I would, here, yeah. Yeah, we visited so many places and I don't think I would go anywhere else. I think Texas
0: is perfect I I've never been to Texas. I think I'm supposed to be coming out there. I got a cousin stay by um what what part of Texas is that? She like 40 minutes from the Dallas Cowboy Stadium.
2: Uh, but uh yeah.
0: there might be four. I don't, I'm not sure. But anyway, what is the um why Texas? Why she keeps telling me come out there too like what's the energy like the vibe I think there's
1: so many different like places like and stuff you can do here like there's so many like you can get you can get affordable housing and you could have so much fun because the entertainment districts are so nice uh you can get like there's like we have somewhat decent sports teams i would say the cowboys <laughs> are pretty decent <laughs> um i don't know there's 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 a good amount of things to do here and the cost of living is decent and people are nice i mean Barbecue's good so that's all
0: like what 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 do your average three bedroom uh three bedroom two bath rent for where are you at are like the r rentals or just yeah, our- like i'm trying to say like in middle class they would i think
1: i think three bedrooms could go anywhere from like a thousand bucks to maybe like fifteen
0: hundred bucks in in dallas
2: in like middle like in, not like, I would not say that's middle class, probably. It'd be, it'd be no, like.
0: That would be less uh, than middle class, right? Be
2: like your blue collar, yeah. like working class neighborhood, basically.
0: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you said the cost of living was low. So I am just trying to figure out, compare it to here. Cause here, rentals, man, for like, you can't find a three bedroom, two bath for $1,200 no more. Not in a group neighborhood. They're more like 1700 1800 you know? And I'm in a small town, but if you go to Fort Lauderdale, Miami, oh, man, you got $2,000 now. Yeah, yeah. If you went to,
1: like, the hubs, like, if you went to, like, downtown Dallas and stuff, you're definitely paying $2,000 or higher. But, like, on the suburbs or, like, on the outskirts of downtown, I think you could probably find something for
0: well under $2,000. Okay. You know a great book you guys should read? I don't know if you read it. Chip, Chip, Chip. You know what I'm talking about, right?
2: Chip and Joanna.
0: Have y'all read that book?
2: Oh, I love
0: Fixer Upper. <laughs> <laughs> Did you read that
2: book, though? I have one of her books. Actually, it's uh, Magnolia Home. I, I
0: yeah, I, th- I think yeah. that's it. Where they started that's out at the, the Firestone.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Her. Not.
0: So, yeah. Yeah. I didn't realize working like doing a TV show took so much. Like they were really, and he was a go getter too, man. I was, that book is crazy. I like that book. Yeah. Okay, the older version, the old American dream would be you know you work your jobs. And you just worked there for 30, 40 years, and then you retire and then you'll travel to Texas on vacation, even though you live there. Um, what's your version of the new American dream?
2: Uh, probably not being tied down to a physical yeah. location job by the age of 35 and living life how we feel like it.
0: Yeah, choosing to work on we yeah. want to work, choosing to go to vacation whenever we want to go to vacation. So you plan on um, eventually leaving your full time jobs?
2: I think at some point yeah. it's it, it, um, inevitable that life will just, uh, you'll have to make a decision when you have maybe a hundred units, it's, we can't self-manage at hundred units <laughs> yeah. um, without probably making well, our full-time jobs. I think
1: when it feels like it's weighing us down, like yeah. we're not able to get the other work done or like, you know, like if we're moving too fast or if people are waiting on us to get stuff done, then I think at that point we probably make that decision.
0: Okay. Sounds good. All right, let the people know where they can find you at if they want to find out more information or reach out.
2: Yeah, so we're um, pretty active on Instagram. Our handle is at Rehab Rental. We share where, oh, we we share the platform. He's not a very social guy, so (laughs) there's a lot of me on there. But um, we share a lot about our journey, our tips and tricks and findings that we find along the way.
0: Definitely. Okay. All righty. Thank you for coming on the show.
2: Yeah. Thanks Thanks for
0: having us. All righty.